Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. might freeze. Give me just a second. Don't y'all love the Lord's sense of humor? He's fun like this. The last time I was standing up here teaching, I was sweating. Dripping from all the places you don't want to tell people you drip from. Okay, here we go. And I really am not going to let go of this coffee, so y'all are just going to have to bear with me. I'm going to flip all the pages and do all the things. Okay. Flip all the pages and do all the things. Okay. And I'm staying in this coat, so sorry about it, (laughs) y'all. And also, if you need another layer Ain't, ain't nobody, ain't nobody going to be, like, offended if you get up in the middle of all of the things. Go get you a sweater. Go get you a jacket. I put a scarf on a hook back there today. There's some beanies. Don't, don't be nervous. You are, you are at home here. I'm going to open us in prayer as we get started this evening. Father, as we come into your house, um, Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for the doors that are always open. Thank you for the arms that are always open to receive us. And Father, as we come to the table tonight, as we open your word, as we read from your pages, we ask that you give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding. We ask that any knowledge that we gain tonight serve to help us to love you and others more. We ask that you would help us to see something new about you that we've never seen before. Father, we're going to unpack some lies tonight. Some things that we may have believed about who you are. And so, Father, I am asking that any lies that we've believed about you or that we've misunderstood about who you are, that you would cast them aside and you would strip them off and that you would correct them. Father, we ask that you direct our steps according to your word. Holy Spirit, be here with us. Oh, be so ever-present. I pray that you direct my thoughts and order my words that anything that is not of you would be cast aside, that you would quiet my tongue on anything that does not need to be said and loose it on what needs to be spoken. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that it's by your blood we are here. And it's in your mighty name that we pray all these things. Amen. Before I really start dripping, can I have a box? Because I always do this. A box of Kleenex. They're hidden everywhere. Stacy Craver, thank you. 
people come running with all the Kleenex when I teach. Just is what it is, and it's fine. So yeah, I'm just gonna put those right there. Okay. Katie's coming at me again, y'all. What are you doing? Oh, she bit me a table. I love her. Y'all, everybody needs a Katie carrot in their life. Everybody. I'm so glad I have one. It's right here. It's perfect. Thank you. You're the best. For so many reasons. <laughs> For this reason right now, because I have a table. Okay. So we are starting in, well, not starting. We're in the middle of all the holiday things, right? And I don't know about you guys, um, I love, like, I really genuinely love Christmas. It was such a delight to be up here as Katie put up trees and put up twinkle lights. And my youngest and I, I wrangled his arm, and he actually went looking at Christmas lights the other night with me. I have three boys. That doesn't happen often anymore. Even if I bribe them with hot chocolate, they're like, no thanks. I'm good. Um, and we went driving, and there's just, there's just magic about it. There's just something that happens in this season. But as I started about a month or two ago to start to think about what I wanted to spend my time in this Advent season as we prepare our hearts toward that day where we receive Jesus being born into this world and putting on skin so that he understands what we've walked this side of heaven until he receives us again. Um, I, you know, I have bought so many Advent books. I, I did purchase the one Annette has. I, I have hope for it. Um, <laughs> but I start them. When I get a couple days in, then I don't finish any of them. And so I told the Lord this year, I'm not doing that. I'm not buying another daggum Advent book that I'm not going to finish. And I just continued to hear him say, I just want you to sit in the Gospels with me. I just want you to remember who my son was. I want you to remember who he still is. And I just want you to sit with it with me. And so I have started really enjoying um, a translation of the Bible called the Passion Translation. It's just words scripture a little bit differently. It puts a new light on it for me, and, and it just kind of causes my brain to think in a different way, which I think is always good, especially in a story that we've heard a gazillion times. Even if you didn't grow up in the church, even if that's not your narrative, even if you haven't walked with Jesus your whole life, we live in America, and there's nativities on every corner at Christmas. We know the name of Jesus. We know Mary was his mama. It's at least a story we've heard a lot. And so I sat in Luke this year, and I started there. And in the Passion Translation, as I was reading it, I just noticed a phrase that both Elizabeth and Mary used as they were talking and as they were prophetically singing their songs and as they were speaking about the Lord. And I don't know about you. I, I have had seasons... Um, where Tweet Moxie's not happy. You're good. We love that she's with us. I need for y'all to know I don't have girls, but I love all the girl activity in this place. It's like my favorite thing. I love watching these women raise daughters. It's just a beautiful thing to watch. So at Christmas, um, I, my mailbox starts to fill up with beautiful cards. You guys have cards that come and and different things, and you get these beautiful cards. And I need for you to hear me say, here's my precursor, there's zero judgment on pretty Christmas cards, okay? Not saying that. Don't go home and say, well, Laura says, you know, not saying that. But I get these beautiful cards in the mail, and they're these beautiful families, and they're all 
all posed and the weather's gorgeous and there's not a hair out of place and all the outfits are coordinated and all their children are smiling as they should be and <laughs> no one's poking anyone in the eye or I won't use all the things my boys do to each other and um, it'd be inappropriate in this space, but no one's doing that. No one's doing that. And it looks perfect. And there are times when that happens or when I allow myself on Facebook or I allow myself on Instagram or I allow myself in these spaces where I feel overlooked and I feel unseen because y'all, that ain't my life. That is not my life. I'm the Christmas card. Have you guys seen that this year? Where, where like at the bottom instead of all is merry is bright, it all is not merry, but it sure is bright. Or <laughs> I love the one I saw one that says we tried. <laughs> And it's like this picture where everybody's like, you know, nobody's smiling. No one's looking at the camera like they're supposed to. Um, this is the best we got. Have you seen that? Like, that's, that's sometimes where I'm at. And I think it's really easy, especially in this American culture where Christmas is all the things, to feel unseen. If you are walking in a season where you do not have the quintessential family and the 2.5 children and all the things that go on a pretty Christmas card, I think it's easy to feel overlooked. It's easy to feel unseen. I think it's easy to feel that way just in hard times. We're all walking through something. That's just the reality of life this side of heaven. And I think in walking through those seasons, for whatever reason it is, it's really easy for lies and whispers to come in that, that we're not seen and we're overlooked. And so I was sitting in Luke this year, and you are welcome to go there with me. Luke is one of the Gospels. We've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, so he's our third Gospel. And remember how I said I didn't get very far in Advent books? <laughs> I've made it in Luke 1. That's where I'm at this year. Because <laughs> I just keep sitting with it because it's just really sweet. I watch these two women, what it means to be seen. So I want to introduce you to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is married to Zechariah. And Zechariah is a priest. And when you hear the word priest, when I hear the word priest, I think obviously he's a righteous man. And, and the Bible tells us that they were both righteous. They're both righteous. They have walked in the way of the Lord. And yet they have no children. And I know many of us have walked that path. Going, okay, Lord, I've, I've followed you and I've walked in the way. Why is this not happening for me? I struggled with that. We miscarried. And I definitely, definitely felt unseen by the Lord. I felt overlooked. I felt like I saw his back instead of his face. And so you have Elizabeth. Do you wonder what it was like for her, walking in circles of women who had children running everywhere, full of life, nursing their babies, all gathered together, talking about the things they were going through, and she doesn't have a part in that conversation. There's not a place for her there. She's unseen. She's overlooked. And then Zechariah gets a visitor. And Gabriel begins to show up. And I love that Gabriel 
after, after in, actually in verse 26, it's going to tell us that the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence. This is not just any angel. This is one that is right there, right there in God's presence. He is, is so important to the Father, and that's who he sends. That's who he sends to Zechariah to say, hey, you are actually going to be a dad. And when Elizabeth hears, back up in verse 25, let's go to 24. Soon after, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for the next five months. And with joy, that joy that Olivia was talking about, with joy she exclaimed, See how kind it is of God to gaze upon me. Do you know what that feels like? To have the gaze of the Father upon you? Because she had walked years, years that described her as barren, years of feeling alone, feeling overlooked, feeling unseen. And in joy she exclaims, See how kind it is of God to gaze upon me. And during her sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unnamed girl named Mary. So we have Elizabeth at one end of the spectrum, trying and trying and trying to have a baby, trying to to have the fullness of that experience. And then we're going to meet Mary, the opposite right? She don't want that yet. (laughs) Not her time. Not her plan. Not the Lord's plan, she thinks, right? She's betrothed to Joseph. Not supposed to happen yet. Not supposed to happen yet. Culture tells us that Mary could have been anywhere from 12 to 16. I have a 14-year-old at home, y'all. Do you know what I would do if he came home and said, P.S. Oh, and also you need to know my boys are not allowed to have girlfriends, so this wouldn't be a conversation, right? But if he came home and said, Mom, um, my girlfriend's pregnant at 14. I pray. (laughs) Ooh, I pray that the Lord would come upon me. And that I would say and do the right thing. But I don't know that I would. And I think all the things would come out of me. I pray that I would sit and wait and listen long enough for him to say, hey, and there's an angel involved, P.S. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Can you imagine the circles that they walked in? The anticipation and the celebration of the wedding that was coming. And now all of a sudden, what? What? And it actually describes Mary as deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. Here's sweet, sweet Mary, 14. Can you imagine? So you have Elizabeth who's walked alone in it, and now you have Mary who the Lord is saying, okay, this is coming. And she's like, hold on, what? And I was reading as we were, as I was sitting with Mary, and I mean, these young girls in, in the Jewish culture, they, they have heard for years the prophetic words that Jesus was going to come. He's going to come back. 
and how as a young girl she would have wondered is is it going to be me will it be through me that jesus comes but yet even still it's still scary it's still really really scary and so the angel reassures her saying do not yield to your fear mary for the lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift so mary Mary then goes to Elizabeth because the angel is going to tell her, and also Elizabeth is pregnant. That cousin of yours, that relative of yours that you've heard of for so long that has never been able to have a baby, she's pregnant. And Elizabeth says, oh, I'm going to go see her. Do you wonder why she went to see her? I think I would have gone for so many reasons. I would have wanted female companionship. I would have wanted validation for real. Like, I'm going to need to see that with my own eyes. And so she goes, and she sits with Elizabeth. And Elizabeth speaks because what happens? John, who we know is John the Baptist, in her womb leaps. He leaps when Mary enters. And then in verse 47, verse 46, we're going to start there. Mary sings a prophetic song. My soul is ecstatic, overflowing with praises to God. My spirit bursts with joy over my life-giving God. For he set his tender gaze upon me. And I read those words, you guys, as I sat getting ready for Christmas. And I thought, what a gift. What a gift we are given. That even when the world and the things going on around us and our circumstances tell us that we are unseen, and we are overlooked. And even when hard things try to convince us that we're unseen and overlooked by the Lord, this says otherwise, you guys. This speaks so contrary to that. His tender gaze is upon us. What a gift the Lord gave these two women in walking this out. He could have had this happen with two women who were unrelated, right? Two women who knew nothing about the other one, who didn't have the companionship of walking out his plan with someone known and family to them, that they, that they would have walked that out alone. Like even just these beautiful little details that the Lord weaves in to say, I see you. I see you. Let me prove to you that I am who I am. Elizabeth is pregnant. Mary's going to have a baby. It's all coming together. And as I sat with that, thinking about Jesus coming, I thought, well, I mean, that's, that's great. It's also Jesus' mom. Like, of course she's seen by the Lord. <laughs> she's Mary. And then I just continued to hear the Lord say, I have seen women all the way through the timeline of the story of man. And my heart just went back to Hagar. And I don't know if you know Hagar, but Hagar is back in Genesis 16. So go there if you will with me. I can now gotta switch Bibles. And when we find Hagar in Genesis 16, Hagar is a slave. She's a slave in the home of Abraham and Sarah, and she's Sarah's slave. 
Sarah's impatient, again, not being able to have a child. And she makes a really, really dumb mistake. <laughs> and she says, I'm going to take things into my own hands. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take care of this, Lord. You apparently do not know what you're doing because I cannot have a baby. So I'm going to give my slave to my husband. I'm going to have a baby through her. And that's Hagar. And here Hagar is, and I, I sat with that and what that must have felt like for Hagar. Can you imagine? I can't imagine what that must have felt like for Hagar. For her entire being to be given to someone who she's going to be named a wife after, but not at the same standing of Sarah. She wasn't taken as a wife because she was loved by Abraham. She wasn't taken as a wife because he chose her. Everything that was hers was given to a man who did not love her, who did not choose her, who did not walk with her as her husband. Everything. Y'all. Can you imagine how unseen she felt? How overlooked she must have felt in the midst of that? And yet she bears a child. And his name is Ishmael. And there is contention and there is fighting between her and Sarah. And they do not walk well together as wives, obviously. Never a great idea. But we get to this place. In Genesis 16, where Abraham says, listen, I mean, I don't know what to tell you, Sarah. But if you are like, if you're that mad about all this, which apparently you are, you do with Hagar what you want. Do with Hagar what you want. And it says Sarah treated her so harshly, so harshly that, that Hagar fled. What must have been done to Hagar to make her flee? I don't know, but it was bad enough and it was severe enough that she left as a woman the one place that provided her like protection and provision. Whether she was loved or not, it was still at least, get it, Lola. <laughs> Strut your stuff, my friend. I love her so. Yes, ma'am. That's the scarf I hung up right there. And there's coffee. And even if you don't like coffee, just put it in your cup and hold it in your hands. It's super warm. Oh, my gosh. I could not love you more. Um, and so we see this. And, and Hagar flees. I can't imagine what must have been done to her as a woman to leave that protection of the household of Abraham. Not only was she leaving that relationship that she'd now been brought into, but even as a slave, she would have had some kind of provision, some kind of protection in his household. And yet what is done to her forces her out, and she flees. And you find her. Hmm. And in chapter 16, an angel finds her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert, in verse 7. And it was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from? 
and where are you going? Don't you love the way the Lord asks us things that we already know? <laughs> He's so good like that. Because sometimes I think we just need to be reminded and we need to hear it out loud. There's something about declaring things aloud, you guys. There's something about your ears hearing it and your brain processing it and it's sinking down deep into your spirit. It just matters. Where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. And then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now with child and you will have a son. Do you know the honor that it was for her to carry a son in those days? You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man and his hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. That's, that's a story for another day. But hang with me in verse 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. Later, we're going to find that when she flees with Ishmael later, when he's been born and, and they've left and, and they are about to die, she's actually walked away from him because she can't bear to watch him die in the desert, that she has fled back towards the territory of Egypt, which is her home. How does she even know who this God is? And yet she's the first one and the only one who we hear name our God, the God who sees me. El Roy. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Bir Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and bread. So we have Elizabeth who told us that the Lord's tender gaze was upon her. And we have Mary who was walking through something that was about to get her scorned and shamed and possibly cast out and possibly divorced and yet still pregnant. And then we have Hagar whose every single part of herself was given away. And yet she still finds the Lord and she says, you are the Lord who sees me. You are the Lord who sees me. I saw a friend recently do an object lesson and she had two chairs. And she said, we walk this life in conversation with God. And the chairs were turned towards each other. And she said, but sometimes I think we feel like the Lord either turns his back on us or that we've turned our back on him and that we have to either do something to earn his love back or to get his attention to turn him back around. And it's just not true. The Lord's gaze never leaves us. His eyes are always trained on us. Always. And so tonight, if you come to this place, in one of two places. If you feel unseen, if you felt overlooked, if you have felt like you see the back of the Lord more than his face, 
I pray that tonight you hear that there is a God who loves you so fiercely, whose gaze, his tender, kind gaze is upon you, who is Elroy for all of us, who is the God who sees. He sees us. He sees us and walks with us in those really hard times, and he sees us and walks with us in those beautiful times and weaves together all these beautiful details of his story in our lives. In Zephaniah 3, it tells us he sings over us. This, this word, these are not made up people. These are not made up stories. Hannah was seen by God when she longed for Samuel. Esther was seen by God when she was elevated to queen and her people were about to be obliterated. Ruth was seen by God when she was left widowed and the Lord made a way. This is full of history of a God who sees. And so in a world that wants to tell you you're overlooked if you don't have a beautiful Christmas card, if your Pinterest attempt at cookies fails epically, if your icing cookies aren't flooded and piped like they should be, please know, please know that there's a God who sees you in all his glory, in all his beauty. I'm going to read something over us as we close tonight. If you have walked feeling unseen, if you've walked feeling overlooked, or if you haven't met the Lord, if you're not walking with him, if you haven't been introduced to him, gosh, we'd love for you to do that. <laughs> we just want you to know him. We just want you to know him. We want you to walk with him. In Zephaniah 3.17, he tells us, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. And with his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Ever since I was a little girl, um, Psalm 139, whew, I'm going to get through this, y'all. Um, it's just been a really, really important passage to me. My mom and I were in a group called Caterpillars and Butterflies. <laughs> and we always, we just memorized a passage. All the girls did together. It's, it's in my email like my address, um, it's just really important to me. And so as I sat with this in the last couple nights, just letting the Lord continue to say, this is, what, this is what I want women to know. I want them to know that I see them, that I love them so fiercely. I just continued to hear the Holy Spirit say, I need you to read this, but I need you to read it differently. I want them to hear it differently tonight. And so if you will, um, we're just going to close our eyes. I won't close my eyes because I'm reading, but you're welcome to close your eyes. I would love to say I have all this memorized. I do not. But I just heard the Lord say, speak it to them in my voice. Speak it in first person from my perspective. I want you to know that in Scripture, because I believe that this is the holy word of God, that this is true. 
there's nothing in this that is not of him and that you cannot root yourself on. And so I just want to read this over you tonight as we close. Psalm 139. May you hear the word of the voice tonight. I know everything there is to know about you. I perceive every movement of your heart and soul, and I understand your every thought before it even enters your mind. I am so intimately aware of you, my child. I read your heart like an open book, and I know all the words you are about to speak before you even start a sentence. I know every step you will take before your journey even begins. I have gone into your future to prepare your way. And in kindness, I follow behind you and spare you from the harm of your past. I have laid my hand upon you. I have laid my hand upon you. Let my understanding of you bring you wonder and strength. There is nowhere you can go from my spirit, nowhere you can run and hide from my face. If you go up to the heaven, I am there. And if you go down to the depths, I am there too. If you fly with wings into the shining dawn, I am there. And if you fly into the radiant sunset, I am there waiting. Wherever you go, my hand will guide you. Wherever you go, my hand will guide you. My strength will empower you. It's impossible for you to disappear from me or to ask the darkness to hide you. For my presence is everywhere, bringing light into your night. There is no such thing as darkness with me. The night to me is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. I formed your innermost being, shaping your delicate inside and your intricate outside, and I wove them all together in your mother's womb. I made you so mysteriously complex. Everything I do is marvelously breathtaking. And if you take time to think about me, it will amaze you. I know you so thoroughly. I formed every bone in your body when I created you in the secret place. I carefully and skillfully shaped you from nothing to something. I saw who I created you to be even before you became you. Even before you'd seen the light of day, the number of days I planned for you were already recorded in my book. Every single moment, I am thinking of you. Every single moment, I am thinking of you. I constantly cherish you in every thought. My desires toward you are more than the grains of sand on every shore. And when you awaken each morning, I am still with you. This last part, I pray 
I pray that we're able to walk through this last part with the Lord. If we've walked with him for years, that we would invite him into newness. And if we're just starting with him, that this is what we would ask of him. The Lord says, if you will invite my searching gaze into your heart, I will examine you through and through, finding everything that may be hidden within you. I can put you to the test and sift out any anxious cares. I can see if there is any path of pain that you're walking on, and I can lead you back to my glorious, everlasting way, the path that brings you back to me. The path that brings you back to me. So that's my prayer for us tonight, ladies, is just that in this season of franticness and all the things that we would be able to just sit with the Lord, that we would be able to sit with him and we would be able to hear him just speak over us. That we would feel his gaze on us. That we would be able to know him as Elroy, as the God who sees us. And that in that, our life is that perfect Christmas card. It's exactly what it's supposed to be. We're walking with him. We're allowing him to order our steps, and we just walk it out with the Lord. So I just pray that for us tonight. I'm going to pray that over us as we close. Um, and then I'm okay. Um, we're I'll, Hold on. I don't, I'm good. Father God, we just come to you tonight. Um, we thank you. We thank you for meeting us here tonight. We thank you for being the God who truly sees us who truly sees us. Thank you for the accounts of every woman in your word that you saw. Thank you that we have those accounts to look back on when it's easy to feel overseen, overlooked. Thank you for the reminder tonight of Elizabeth and Mary. Thank you for the reminder of Hagar. Thank you for your words in Psalm 139 where you tell us that you so intimately love us, Father. You so intimately know us and that you long for us to rest in that, to sit in that and to allow you to speak that into our hearts, that we would find shalom there, that we would find completion there, that we would find rest there. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for that. Jesus, it's in your mighty name that we pray. Amen. I would love for us to just close. Olivia, I'm just going to lead it a cappella because I'm Church Christ background. That's what we do. Um, you're welcome to play keys if you want. No. Mm -mm. Yeah. Come on. Before we sing a cappella, I just feel like... <laughs> <laughs> I just feel um, like the Lord is just whispering something to me to, to make available to those of you that are here that this might, um, that you might be saying yes. So, this is different, okay? <laughs> this is not something we've done before, and I've, I'm not putting you on the spot. Um. But I just 
as she was reading that psalm, the words just stood out to me in such a strong way about the Lord placing his hand on you. And there is something about that gaze and speaking words, and then there's something about personal touch that cements or closes that for us as humans. And um, Janelle, would you be willing to help me with this? I think, I think what he wants us to do is just be available over here. And as we sing, if you want that touch, I'm not, I'm not God, I'm not saying, but the New Testament does say that we are his hands and his feet, and we're to care for our brothers and sisters, and we can love each other like that, and if that meets a place in your heart and you say, yes, I would really, that would minister to me, we will just lay our hand on your shoulder and play, pray a blessing over you. I'm not talking about anything long and drawn out, but just that physical touch and that assurance that yes you are seen and you are highly valued and you are favored by the lord so we'll be over here if you want to partake in that thanks and it does matter i mean if you know me you know i'm a hugger you ain't gonna get past me sorry about that and then also all through acts you guys you walk through acts and and paul and and the apostles and all the people that were sent out to minister, how many times as we watch the accounts of what they were doing and they laid hands on them and they laid hands on them and they laid hands on them, touch just matters. I think the Lord knew it. How many of his healings were involved with Jesus touching people? The woman touched the hem of his garment and he was like, whoa, right? It just matters to the Lord. And until he returns and can do that, for us, I think it does matter that we just do that for each other within the body. So if that's something that you have need of today, these two women are pretty, pretty fabulous women to do that for you. We're just going to sing the chorus. We're just going to start, and I'm going to make up some words, and it's going to be fine. And y'all are going to follow. It's going to be great. We give you all the glory. We give you all the glory. We give you all the glory. Christ, the Lord, for you. Oh. 
Thank you. If there's anyone here that needs prayer tonight, please know that any of us, any of us would love to receive you in that. And you're welcome to just grab us and say, let's go talk to Jesus. Thank you, ladies, for being here tonight. It was a joy and it was a delight. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 